0: Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the twice-weekly podcast that will open your eyes to the kinds of insights you can use to better run your business. Come have your morning Joe with hosts Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins, who have the right recipes and ingredients to easily help you cook up a storm for even your toughest competitor. No lectures, no wasting your time telling you how smart they are, and no bullshit. The Small Business Wake-Up Call is gonna make you think, laugh and help you recognize how much money you've been leaving on the table with advice that'll help you improve your quality of life. Lonnie and Stan are small business veterans who will share their individual war stories and experiences, not only from their own businesses, but also from guiding hundreds of other small business owners in over 100 industries. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan and save yourself some headaches. Grab that second cup of joe, or maybe something a bit stronger, and let's see what's on the menu for today. Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, and here are your hosts, with cups in hand, Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins.
1: Good morning, small business owners. I'm Lonnie Shambi, and for my partner, Stan Simpkins, welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call. Hoping you're having your second cup wherever you are, and it's a little warmer than it is here in the Northeast. Today, we're going to talk about your end game, what it is, how much you paid attention to it as your business has progressed. Entrepreneurs start businesses for various reasons, some because of their belief in a concept or a product that they've developed, others because they have a desire to make an impact on society or the world, still others because they want to escape the corporate world or having a boss or lastly, just being able to control their own destiny or some Combination of all of these. But few entrepreneurs give much thought to where their business might or should lead in their life journey. That is the ultimate motivation and expected outcomes from having a small business. That is your end game. Do you have an end game for your business? Few business owners do. And what is it exactly? It really should describe why you're in business. And what's that? For many business owners it simply evolves or worse they wake up one day and realize that they've spent 5 or 10 or more years with no objective in mind zigging and zagging from thing to thing making progress but toward no particular purpose. But at the end of the day it's all about creating and realizing value.
2: Good morning Lana and good morning to our listeners. Your end game should define why you're in business. It might be primarily financially driven, but develop and grow your business to a certain level over a certain period of time and then sell it. Or it might be much loftier, as Melania mentioned earlier, to create a societal impact perhaps, moving conditions, changing habits, or addressing needs in some segment of the population or the world. It might even be something as simple as just to create a good life and a good living for yourself and your family. While doing work you love, And delivering specialized products and services, whether on some small scale or perhaps more significantly. It could mean a short-term three to five-year objective, or it could be defining a lifestyle for yourself in a business that ends when you decide you no longer want to do it. Very common, and nothing wrong with it. It's simply the answer to the question every entrepreneur or small business owner asks himself or herself at multiple points in their enterprise's history. Why am I doing this? Whatever it is, or how you define it, should be as specific as you can make it, and it should be as personal to you and your partners, if you have any, as possible. It should be the reason for your business existence, why you work 60 to 70 hours, oftentimes for sub-market compensation, why you celebrate the small victories of your staff or company. Stan, I never worked for (laughs) sub-market compensation. I was always market (laughs) compensation, weren't you? (laughs) And you were getting a lot of social-emotional gratification instead of pay, so... That's why you can't wait to get in in the morning, hopefully, and why you are the last one to leave each night. And we all remember those days for sure. Your end game should be something about growing your business and building a value that provides a return on investment of capital and time and effort. When you're ready to exit the business and realize that value, that's your exit plan. I had a client, Lonnie, actually two. One was environmental remediation. They got rid of the junk. And the other was environmental consulting. They spotted and analyzed the junk. They truly looked at what they did as making a difference on our planet while meeting their personal financial goals.
1: Well, let's talk about your end game. There's an exercise I do with every client I take on. I ask them to pick a time frame, three, five, 10 years, and define where they want to be in three key or sometimes four key areas. Corporate, that is to describe their company, even if they feel they'll have sold it by then professional what they expect to be doing or working on and personal financial sometimes you can break those up into two what kind of lifestyle changes and what will their financial position be during operations and after exiting think about those questions and somewhere over the next couple of days no no rush just write them down you should answer them it's a great exercise Have you ever thought about your business in
2: those terms? And of course, to get to the end game, Lonnie, whatever the time period, you'll probably have to sell the biggest part of your personal asset base, namely your stake in your business. Selling a business can be one of the most, if not the single most important things in your life, biggest part of your personal asset base, also your stake in the business. So selling a business is really something to be concerned about. And to begin with, it's usually the single element I mentioned of your net worth. Secondly, for many especially smaller sized companies, the family-like relationships that you develop between your partners, employees, and customers. And lastly, number three, a positive culture that has ideally been created that can be a source of pride in your legacy that you have imprinted on your business for future generations. Yet few, if any small business owners, actually plan their exit, certainly not more than two years before their exit. So they do more planning for equipment purchases or a holiday party or vacation than they do on their exit strategy. And the impact, personally, is anguish, subconsciously at least, and selling at a lower price than they could have had they planned it two or three years earlier. And they have a stressed team who likely would have been cooperative and benefited from the earlier planning. And how about this? Perhaps a spouse or other family member who has to deal with the owner who dies prematurely. Note that word as if they knew sooner than they expected when they were going to yeah, die. I put,
1: when I put my plan down, I put down the year I expect to die. We never know. That. Yeah,
2: we have that in our, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and these are usually types who don't usually have, even in the executed world, no, I said executed, executed yes, not I got draft. It. I got it. I got it. will. Has it been signed? No, no it's still, it's still in draft
1: form. Yes, we all have that. Most often exits happen by accident or out of frustration. See if you're familiar with any of these phrases. I have clients with significant financial resources who are very interested in your business. Would you guys be interested in selling out? Wouldn't it be a great match if we could put our two companies together? Mr. Jones, with the present state of your health, I'm afraid you're going to have to really slow down. Joe, we've been partners for 25 years, but, and then finally, I've had it with the pressures of meeting payrolls every 15th and 30th and so on. But in all of these situations, no thought or at least little thought or planning has been done ahead of time. And I've been through each one of these with various clients multiple times. And then here's one that really hit home for me. It's an unfortunate one, but one that happens every day. Partners split apart when one decides he's had enough. While it's been building over the years, an exiting partner never discussed it with the other. Total surprise. At the end of the day, both of them lost. The exiting partner was in a poor negotiating position because all he wanted was out. And the remaining partner had to figure out how to pay the exiting partner and fill the hole created operationally and financially. Net-net, they ended up having to sell the company for about 50% of what it was worth. And oh, the remaining partner seemed to have the same name as me was a very hard mm-hmm. lesson learned and one that you True only stories, need to huh? learn once. That is to always have a buy, sell, and an exit plan from the early going and constantly communicate with your partner or partners on multiple levels, personally, professionally, and corporately.
2: Wow. The exit from a business you started and own is the second most important exit you'll ever have. The first most important exit this is one we all know about. you can't do anything We're about that. We probably can't would. do much planning about it other than be as healthy as we can. Would you think of doing your most important exit without a will? Think of your exit plan as a will for your business. The objectives of any successful exit should be, one, maximize the net dollars to you and your estate while minimizing the tax impact on each. Secondly, establish a proper transition from your ownership to new ownership with employees, Customers and suppliers these people are also affected by your exit. Why not give that consideration and lastly ensure that the people The legacy and the culture that you created can continue to thrive and grow long after you're gone While you have a plan for growing your business Do you have a plan for how you will reap the rewards of that growth at some future point? Perseverance is a major factor in most entrepreneurial success But keeping your head down And continuing to move ahead is not necessarily the prescription for realizing long-term returns on that success. You need to think about it ahead of time. Yes, we know you already know this. If knowing was all one needed to improve, Lonnie and I would be 20 pounds lighter, my golf handicap would be 10 points less, and Lonnie's hitting average or batting average would be a lot higher. It takes what Nike's slogan says, just do it. So what are you going to do it? And see, few entrepreneurs
1: even give a passing thought to this. Most begin to consider it when someone comes to them with an offer for which they're ill-prepared or they have a health scare and realize they've been on this treadmill for multiple years and had no idea how to stop, get off, smell the roses. Stan has a great example of this. But first, a message for all of you to consider.
3: As a small business owner, you face many challenges. You're not alone. What can be even more stressful is not having someone to talk to who doesn't have their own agenda. What if you could talk in-depth and confidentially to other small business owners like you on a periodic basis, folks facing the same challenges or who have solved the same problems? The Small Business Virtual Roundtables is the answer for you. Small business virtual roundtables are held monthly for 90 minutes. Membership in each roundtable is limited to 15 people, providing ample time for each member to have their issue addressed by their fellow members. These peer advisory groups are formed to avoid competitive concerns while taking into consideration company size and characteristics that closely match your own business. Need more attention? there is a complimentary 30-minute one-on-one session with the facilitators during the month to seek additional feedback. Monthly membership fees to the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are less than the cost of an hour with your attorney, and this is all done without ever leaving your office or home. Just the time savings of avoiding needless driving is worth the cost. New groups of the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are now being formed on a first-come, first-served basis. Ready to sign up? Head to sbvirtualroundtables.com to receive a complimentary invitation to attend up to three meetings. Again, that's sbvirtualroundtables.com. With Small Business Virtual Roundtables, there's no need to go it alone. And now, back to Lonnie and Stan.
2: Let me recount another story that has a great lesson. I had a client who had his plan to have his daughter become the successor, though she lacked sufficient training to replace the father it was a single parent of three children and he unexpectedly had a disease that though not necessarily fatal left him very terribly in pain such that he decided to shut the business down without any effort to sell it and why why such a dramatic drastic effort his illness put him in such a depressed and hopeless mindset it was enough to have him not even want to make any effort let alone consider it it's a true story and the point is Don't presume how you will deal with unforeseen traumatic events in your life. Even most of your employees have an exit plan. It's called retirement or maybe getting a job someplace else. How about you? Are you just going to die with your boots on? Exit planning is as important as how you grow your business. Maybe even more so. The longer your business for sure and life and finances get more complicated with kids and education expenses and maintaining a lifestyle, healthcare expenses as you age among some of the key issues concerning yourself with. But it's one of the game-changing decisions of your life. And you need to ask yourself these questions. Why sell? What are your expectations? And why now and when? Let's look at some of these reasons. Why owners want to sell. And Lonnie mentioned the motive category earlier. Personal, financial, professional, corporate. Let's take a deeper dive and look at these a little closer. So under personal motives, we've got lifestyle. Now, this is a biggie. If only in terms of the emotional aspects, think about that. Sometimes owners are so beaten up by the stresses, they're in an escape mindset. They're not running to something, they're running from something. Now, while on the other hand, some owners are perfectly happy with their business, but have other plans. These might be retirement or perhaps volunteering or philanthropic endeavors. And watch this, maybe starting another venture. Lonnie and I know a couple of business advisors, I wonder who they might be, who started and exited multiple businesses because of their entrepreneurial passion. And when it comes to retire, they took their passion of growing owners into venture you heard of during the commercial break, our virtual roundtable groups.
1: Stan, you know how I feel about this, but you play golf and I do not. People tell me, well, aren't you going to retire at some point? And what would I do? I mean, I love what I'm doing. And I'll just keep finding ways of doing it. I can write and I can whatever. Yeah, but don't you want to retire? And so, well, what would I do? Well, you could play golf. And I said, OK, what do I do the second day?
2: Well, you'll have to just do more do chasing of girls like you did. <laughs> 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 so, speaking of health, we've all been through our challenges. A lot of you've had yours, I've had mine. And I guess the good luck is we're still standing. So, this motivation is one of the most painful. And I used that example earlier that I've experienced as a business advisor, watching clients who've got this issue. And the problem with health, and dying for that matter, is one usually doesn't know when the timing will be. (laughs) That's the phrase, timing is everything, so true. So while it sounds utopian for sure, in an ideal world, we need to be able to answer the question, if I were to die or become so sick that I could no longer serve the company, what would be needed to sustain the company until it could be sold or transferred in some other manner? but not under distressed conditions.
1: Big deal there, okay? Because if you're forced at gunpoint to sell or transfer your assets, you know you're going to be at the bottom of the pile on that one. So let's talk about financial motives. You want to realize the value of your investment of time and money. One simple step to ensure getting that value is to prepare early enough to take advantage of of the economic swings, whether up or down. And just looking at retirement needs isn't the only issue. For many, philanthropy is a goal that may take the form of time, money, or both. Next is professional motives. You've reached the limit of your wingspan, at least maybe in the business that you're in. As Stan and I have mentioned, some owners have mastered their operations so well they feel that they need to have another baby so to speak. And so since timing is everything, they may decide to cash in before beginning a new journey based upon the belief that they will get top dollar now rather than waiting. Some want to change direction, career-wise. I had a client who wanted to become a professional pilot, even spending six figures to get trained, selling a very profitable services operation, in his mid-40s, it took one year to prepare his two successors to make sure that they stayed married to the business, and then another while he pursued his new career to be certain that they would no longer need him in the business. But they still remained friends and in contact. That's he got story. the best of both worlds.
2: There's a beautiful example of someone who planned and knew where he was going and what his end game was. In fact, you were telling me, Lonnie, he mentioned to you that when he started the business, he knew it wasn't going to be his lifetime thing, but he needed to develop the financial resources to get to his end game, which is becoming a professional pilot. Career it's pilot. amazing. It's amazing. It's great. How things will work that way. The third one you mentioned, Lonnie, um, is corporate motives. So I have, and you've had clients that are small, and quite frankly, they were at the right place at the right time, and the opportunities way outstripped their financial resources And so looking at the timing, they knew if they waited too much longer, competition would come flooding in. They opened up the gates to opportunity. So they either bit the bullet and jumped into the thing, or they let someone else pick up the slack. So that's oftentimes where a corporate motive for financial capital would be. And you see these either mergers or a uh, private equity funding, if you will, they'll acquire. And sometimes You'll have small businesses that are pretty substantial, and they'll bring in someone as a minority partner with the idea that over time, they'll become the majority owner or a total buyout.
1: That's a whole other story. There's no such thing as a minority private equity partner. (laughs) No such thing.
2: They do that actually with corporate family business office sometimes will come in with maybe 40% interest, but a clear path towards ultimate ownership. Yeah. It's an interim step.
1: And a clear impact on operations
2: for sure. (laughs) But it can be viable resource sometimes. You have to look at the pros and cons, especially when you compare it to other alternatives. A company needs to restructure its resources of a larger company and get those resources happens in the professions all the time. And this can be a great thing as compared to trying to do it, even if you had the capital on your own because all the time, the chronologic time, let alone the physical time, could put you at a disadvantage. This happened actually when I was with a 75-person CPA firm, and that was back in the late 80s. And they eventually merged with a 300-plus staff CPA firm simply because of the internal issues between the partners. They had some issues going on that needed to be straightened out. And also, it would have taken probably 10 years to get to the level of sophistication and expertise and skill sets. And this was just an easy way to accomplish two of the objectives. So that's an example of Corbin Motives.
1: Unless you're retiring and you're not worried about the next play or whatever, this outside capital oftentimes is the best way to leverage a great market opportunity that will be fleeting in that others will be jumping into it at the same time. And then speaking of which now, what are your expectations from a sale? Are they realistic? Oftentimes, we as small business owners, it's kind of like there are no ugly children in our business. And remember this as you talk about value and valuation and reality. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I've had so many small business owners say to me, well, I'm going to go get a valuation done. And I said, here's what that's going to prove for you. It's going to give you a relative idea of where you sit in the marketplace. And you might be able to put it under your pillow at night, make you sleep better. But beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So is value. And that's the reality of this. And then there's also the scoreboard element. Don't sell a company because you want to go to the club and tell everybody how much you got for it. Wrong idea. Because invariably, you'll come up with the wrong partner, and invariably, you'll never get where you wanted to go. And finally, never do this without professional advice. So it's kind of like, don't try this at home, boys and girls. Get a valuation, make it be a guide, but keep objectivity. And this is where Stan and I have proven our value in many different transactions, because Our value is in telling prospective sellers they're not ready or that they have an unrealistic view of how prepared they are for exit. I had a client, a former client, reach out to me saying she was ready to exit. I asked her a standard set of questions that I ask all owners who are ready to sell and found that she was ill-prepared. I proved it by having another client in the same business, not a competitor, though, talk with her about how he would value her business based on what she told him, and it was nearly 50% less than she was expecting. In the interest of time, I'll spare you all the details, but we'll say that during the entire process, which took about a year to get done, the key was getting her less emotional and more objective, looking at it from a buyer's perspective. This is my big thing about negotiation of anything and that is always negotiate from the other side of the table. And so valuation, same thing, is going to be from the other side of the table. So I spent a year with them helping them. And one year later she sold the company to this same buyer who really got interested in the business because it was an offshoot of what he was doing. And she got more than a hundred percent of what she was initially expecting no magic, just absolute objectivity.
2: And if I might, Lonnie, add another win-win situation where we've helped clients, and that's where you got a client who actually has untapped potential. It could be something as simple as adding another management person that can make the business appear to be more able to run on its own without the owner, and that's important to a potential buyer. So there's things to tap into unrecognized opportunities to make the business even more valuable in a short time frame. So, Hopefully we've given you a lot to think about here. And in future episodes, we're going to actually take you through the selling process, talking about creating the plan and then how you can execute on that plan with the right buyer or partner and the right transaction for you, all with war stories that bring the key points to life. And then we're going to have a session about what do you do next? And where we'll have a guest to talk about the challenges that often face a small business owner after exiting. And how it'll be less maybe formidable, I might add, as starting and running the business itself. Lonnie, why don't you summarize what we covered today, please?
1: Sure, Stan. Today we talked about your end game. Invariably, it's about why you started your business. It's simply the answer to the question every entrepreneur or small business owner asks himself or herself at multiple points in the enterprise's history: why am I doing this? Whatever it is or how you define it, it should be as specific as you can make it. It should be as personal to you and your partners, if you have any, as possible. And it should be the reason for your business's existence, why you work those long hours for sub-market comp, why you celebrate small victories with your staff or your company, and why you can't wait to get in in the morning and you're the last one to leave each night. Your end game should be about growing your business and building value that provides a return on your overall investment of capital, time, and effort. When you're ready to exit this business and realize that value, that's your exit plan, helping you to achieve that end game. We hope you have had as much fun listening to our podcast as we do producing them. We invite you to share your war stories, ask your questions, even request an invitation to be a guest at one of our virtual roundtables. Come take a look at where we are in this, take a test drive, see where you could take your business. Check us out at sbvirtualroundtables.com. In fact, we allow you three complimentary visits as our guest so you can be confident it's a mutual fit. We can promise you'll feel like one of the family sooner than you expect. You've
0: been listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the podcast providing eye-opening insights and perhaps a caffeine high to better run your business, delivered in Stan Simpkins and Lonnie Shambi's own unique style. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan, subscribe to the show, find more resources, and check out their monthly 90-minute virtual roundtables. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call.